Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and wealth agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello, and happy almost tax day. Oh, gosh, yes. And remember, if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan. Now, what is that, you may ask? Well, that is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. Now, you may be asking yourself, you know what, how do I get that? Well, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, go to the site, Put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. On to the show. So, um, yes, you're, you're right. Tomorrow is uh, tax day. Dun, dun, dun. And um, uh, I know a lot of people are either going half out already mm-hmm. because they're getting a refund. That's right. Uh, or they are writing a check or about to write a check to Uncle Sam or they filed an extension. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, uh, we've been uh, on hiatus for the last um, couple of weeks or a couple of Sundays. Um, we've been, uh, there's been some spring breaks. Um, and then, of course, it is tax season. And we do a lot of tax prep and tax planning for our clients. And uh, that does take up uh, some time. So we do need some, uh, some time to recharge uh, you know, on, on, on the weekends. And uh, we chose the last couple of Sundays, but we are back and ready for action. So let's get into some money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. All right. So um, let's, uh, let's talk rising prices. All right. Rising prices. That's been in the news a lot lately. So so the overall of uh, the overall cost of gas, food, and other everyday items um, really it's increasing at its uh, fastest pace in more than forty years. And uh, experts cannot say with confidence whether price increases will uh, speed up or even slow down in the coming months. Now, the accelerated price rate—you know—we'll just call it what it is, and we'll call it inflation. <laughs> So it hit uh, about eight and a half percent in March uh, from uh, last year, from the previous year, and that was the fastest increase since 1981. Now, rising gas prices that drove more than half of the uh, the increase, and that's largely because of you got the war in Ukraine, um, sanctions on Russia, uh, and which is a major uh, oil and gas producer, but other costs including housing including um, used cars and other goods, that significantly increased uh, also. So the problem is the same as it's been really for the last uh, year. Supply chains, they're basically failing to keep up with elevated consumer demand. You know, when you think about it, it's really a broader imbalance between uh, just basic supply and demand. And so and when you have these elevated price increases or inflation, unfortunately, uh, as inflation is going up, it is outpacing wage increases. So wages aren't increasing as fast as inflation is. Now, of course, in response, uh, the Fed or the Federal Reserve, they uh, have raised interest rates uh, to increase the cost of borrowing money. And really the goal is to uh, slow down the economy, uh, and therefore, when you slow down the economy, you can slow down inflation. Uh, but uh, some experts, they do worry that uh, that the Fed is moving too slowly, 
and that its approach could force it to take more drastic steps uh, to tame down um, or to tame prices down down the line. So, so the nightmare scenario, and uh, D, you're probably too young to remember this, but um, you know the nightmare scenario would be the Fed having to tank the economy as it basically did in 1980s when they aggressively raised interest rates. And so mm-hmm. um, I know some people, a lot of the listeners out there probably can remember when uh, interest rates used to be 14, 15%. And you're like, man, either that's the good old days or it's the, uh, it's the bad old days. The reason is because our people look at it with nostalgia saying, you know what, Marcus, I remember when I could go to the bank and get a CD that was paying 12%. And it's like, yeah, but inflation was 14%. Oh, and by the way, the cost of your mortgage, your mortgage was 11, 10, 11, 12%. So it was all a wash. But what people remember is the fact that they could go to the bank and they got that 12 to 15% CD. All right. And so back in the 80s, they, the, the Fed aggressively uh, increased interest rates to try to end high inflation at that time. Now, given what we're talking about today, I, I want to walk through the reasons why, number one, inflation might stay high, and then two, how it could potentially get better down the line. All right, so let's first discuss why it might get worse. So, um, you know, generally speaking, uh, the Fed, they aim for inflation, uh, an inflation rate of around Two to two to three percent a year, and historically it's averaged right around three three and a half percent. And they try to strike a balance between uh, high employment levels without these runaway price increases. But inflation obviously is is a lot higher right now. Uh, it's also greater here in the U.S. than it is in uh, Europe, in Europe and uh, other developed countries. So uh, there are reasons to believe that this will remain a problem for some time. You know, of course, uh, you know, unexpected events, they've disrupted supply, uh, supply chains uh, over the past few years, and uh, it, it could happen again. Um, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine has already caused gas prices to spike. And because, and I don't think most people know this, Ukraine is a major food producer. Uh, the war uh, has also increased food prices and may continue to do so. Um, COVID, we can't forget about COVID. COVID, they've been, or they COVID, it's been um, distorting supply chains since uh, for the last couple of years, so since 2020. And of course, with future variants and outbreaks, it could do the same. Um, By the way, it's already happening in China. So there's some places in China right now that are on lockdown trying to contain new outbreaks. And of course, China is our one of our biggest manufacturers, if not the world's biggest manufacturers of, of goods. And that, of course, starts to interrupt the flow of goods going into the countries, right? Especially here in the U.S. And then, of course, COVID, you know, it's been extremely disruptive, um, you know, of course, tra- tragic and in people's lives. Uh, and, it's also, and it's also been disruptive to their jobs. And the longer that these disruptions go on, the longer that we can expect inflation to become Fortunately, a regular part of life. So let's, uh, let's consider wages. Um, think about this, all right? Stay with me here. So let's talk about wages. If people expect high inflation, right, then what are you going, going to want to do? You are going to want to demand higher pay. But to pay a higher wage, employers are likely to have to pass that cost to their customers and to their consumers by charging them higher prices. And so higher wages could also mean elevated demand, right? So you get paid more, you have more money in your pocket, and you want to spend it. And if you have those higher wages, you have extra money to spend, right? And so this is what is called a wage price spiral, And it was really a a major uh, contributor to uh, high inflation in in the 70s. And so that's what we're kind of looking at now. All right. So those um, so that's the bad scenario. Right. But uh, let's be uh, a little optimistic. All right. Um, uh, I like to um, uh, call myself sometimes uh, Mr. Brightside. And um, basically, 
so let's talk about uh, being optimistic because the Fed is capable of bringing down inflation. Now, there's a lot of risk because um, if they move too fast um, by raising interest rates, that, that could disrupt, disrupt some things too. But like I said, I want to be optimistic here. So, so one positive hint from this last inflation report, uh, the core inflation index, which it measures prices, but it excludes um, volatile things. Well, two volatile things. It, it excludes food and energy cost. And that cost inflation index, it increased at a slower rate in March or last month than it did in previous months. So what does that mean? That means that inflation could be peaking. All right. So that's number one. Now, like I said, what's the second thing I want to be Mr. Brightside about? So you got gas prices, right? They are also down a bit from their peak last month. So, of course, some of that is driven to, like I said, China's on lockdown. They're not driving as much. So that demand has has gone down. So we see gas prices have ticked down just a little bit. And then over time, you know, the world generally adjusts and we may adjust to the uh, to the Ukraine wars uh, that shock to the oil and gas markets. Um, of course, you know, the West, uh, especially here in the U.S., we could find alternatives to Russian oil and gas uh, like U.S. drilling, uh, like like more U.S. drilling uh, or finding some clean energy sources to fill the current gaps uh, in the gas supply. Um, and, you know, and of course, the war could eventually end and that would reduce further further impacts on um, gas in a lot of these global markets. All right. So that's number one. Let's uh, let's continue the down this optimistic trail of being on the bright side here. So COVID cases, COVID cases are, are declining worldwide. And so if potential future waves, if they don't cause major disruptions, right, inflation could cool down as supply lines get back to normal. See that I'm trying to be like I said, Mr. Brightside, I got another one, too. So the Biden administration they are uh, separately trying to take some actions like, you know, they just released uh, some strategic oil res- oil reserves um, and they're allowing summertime sales of ethanol. What is it? Ethanol based gas. And so um, those are moves. They are you know, maybe small moves, but at least it's moving in the right direction. And then lastly, to keep things on the bright side. Consumer demand could drop as well, right? Higher prices could discourage some spending. Um, And that extra cash from the stimulus packages over the past few years, which some people argue it actually drove up inflation because people had that extra money in their pockets. But now it is drying up, leaving Americans with less money to spend, right? And so all of that, all of that, all of what I outlined, along with uh, some of the Fed's actions, it could put the economy in a better balance between supply and demand, uh, hopefully moving forward throughout the rest of the year, thus decreasing inflation. See, I like to keep things on the bright side. All right, so coming up, we are going to dive into uh, some things that retirees can do uh, to reduce taxes. And then we're also going to have Tax Corner, all that good stuff. A lot of tax-focused stuff coming up here on The Marcus Warren Show. Oh, wow. These are the... uh, Spice Girls. Your favorite band. Yeah. All right. So this song is um, Wannabe. Came out in 1996. Number one in the U.S., number one in the U.K. That's right. Yes, I am singing all the lyrics. This was their first uh, single. Yeah. Over 30 years ago, 96, 2006, 2016. Nope. Yeah. Almost, almost 30. Almost yeah. 30 years. Wow. There you go. Interesting. All right. Well, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember, you can request your retirement rescue game plan 
All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net and you'll get a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threatened your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk you gots to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net. <laughs> I said that aggressively. Um, anyway, so... Um, Do it, people. Tomorrow is tax day, and that's basically when you have to file that extension or write a check to Uncle Sam, or hopefully you're getting some money back, right? And um, so let's talk about how that affects retirees. So uh, we deal with a lot of retirees. Um, A lot of retirees still have a lot of income coming in. And which means that Uncle Sam will have his grubby hands waiting on some of that income. So let's talk about it. So when you're in retirement, what income is taxable? Well, pretty much all of it, right? So um, if you're retired, um, a lot of times you stop having earned income. But sometimes uh, you may continue to semi-retire and you still want to have uh, a part-time job. And you have that earned income. Of course, that's taxable. If you want to have that side hustle, um, that is also taxable. So you want to you know, do an Airbnb, something like that. Heck, maybe you want to still be around people and you want to ride for Lyft and or Uber. Matter of fact, we have a client who uh, over uh, uh, Derby, during Derby, he is going to help uh, one of his friends out and he's going to have one of those uh, those Mercedes Sprinter vans and he'll be transporting people to and from uh, Derby and all the other bourbon events and things of that nature. And so he'll have earned income. Thus, of course, that is taxable. What else is, is taxable when you're retired? Well, 1099 income is taxable. So uh, the 1099, basically whenever you uh, have money in, in a taxable account, um, whether you take that income or not, uh, you have to pay taxes on it. And you get that 1099 uh, from your uh, financial institution at the end of the year and uh, basically says, hey, you made this amount of money and this is what you have to give back to Uncle Sam in the form of taxes. So 1099 income, interest, dividends, things of that nature. Yes, that is, of course, taxable. All right. So when you're in retirement, what else is taxable? Well, Say you may have a little bit of earned income, maybe a little bit of 1099 income, and you're like, you know what, I need some more income. And you know what I have? I have these IRAs, 401ks, a 403b. I have this uh, uh, qualified account or this company retirement plan. And you take distributions from that. Uh, yes, uh, boys and girls, that is taxable also. Um, as a matter of fact, it is taxable at your full tax rate. And so you have to pay taxes every time you take money out of your company retirement plans and say you don't plan on doing that for a while. There does come a time when you have to pull that money out. And that is when you're 72. And that is in the form of what is called required minimum distributions. And that's when Uncle Sam says you've uh, you've held off too long. Can we get a little piece of that action? And you have to pull out at least a minimum amount um, what about mailbox money? Hey, Marcus, what is mailbox money? Well, mailbox money is for some it's pensions, right? So if you get a pension while you're in retirement, actually that was redundant because generally when you're getting a pension, you are retired, but right. when you get a pension, uh, all of that is taxable and that is taxable at your ordinary income rate. So whatever your marginal tax bracket is, that pension is taxable also, um, what if you have, uh, I talked about Airbnbs, but what if you have a couple of rental properties, um, or a little fourplex or whatever, and you're uh, getting rental income? Yes, my friends, that is also taxable. And so, um, pretty much most income that comes in, regardless of where it's from, for the most part, is taxable uh, when you're retired. And so, what generally happens, or the myth that you're generally told is that, hey, once you retire, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. And since you're going to be in a lower tax bracket, um, then you can uh, defer your, your income um, for, for later, defer, defer a majority of your income down the line for later. And what generally happens is when, what most retirees figure out is, well, number one, they want 
at least as much income during their retirement as they were when they were working. And if that's the case, which is most of the time, you're going to find yourself in the same or higher tax brackets. Oh, and by the way, when you're retired, there comes a time when you want to take Social Security. And um, Social Security, my friends, that can be taxable. So, you know, if you have, uh, if you're earning money, if you're retired and you're earning money from uh, a side hustle or a part-time job, if you're taking money or a distribution from your company retirement plan, if you have a pension, if you have rental income, if you're taking RMDs, if you have 1099 income, all of that income goes into a formula that the IRS uses to determine how much of your Social Security is going to be taxed. And your Social Security is taxable, and it can be taxable. Uh, actually, eighty up to 85% of your Social Security can become taxable, depending on uh, what income streams you have coming in when you're retired. And so, there, even though you're retired, the tax man is always with you. He will never leave you. He's going to be there in lock and step. By the way, you know what? That's the real um, vow that you take when you enter the workforce. That's the true till death do us part um, commitment that you have in your life that won't go away, right? That won't move on. Uh, you won't, you can't, you won't grow apart from Uncle Sam. You won't, uh, uh, have irreconcilable differences. Um, you can't do that. You won't be betrayed by Uncle Sam because he is with you. Now, you might be betrayed on uh, some other levels because he has his hand in your pocket, but uh, um, that's he's with you. Till death do you part, all right? So let's do this. So we've, we've talked about tax buckets in the past, and, um, you know, the tax buckets are, so all the accounts you have goes into three tax buckets. Your taxable bucket, your tax-deferred bucket, and then your tax-free bucket. And so uh, a quick explanation of these tax buckets are like this. One is your taxable bucket is money where you're taxed now, right? Taxed along the way, whether you take the income or not. Uh, the money that you have in your tax-deferred bucket, uh, you defer uh, that money, you get tax-deferred growth, and then you're taxed when you pull that money out. And then you have your tax-free bucket. That's the money that you put in. It grows tax-deferred, and when you pull it out, it's also tax-free. You don't have to pay taxes on it. Uh, federal, state, and or capital gains are things that would be in the tax-free bucket. Those are things like Roth, uh, certain life insurance, uh, HSAs, uh, 529 plans, things like that. And so, um, unfortunately, most people have accumulated their assets in that tax-deferred bucket because they work for a company. And we've been told to defer, defer, defer our whole working careers. And that's what most people have done, right? They have decided not to pay tax on the seed, but to wait till it blossoms and turns into this big harvest. And then that is when they want to pull that money out. And that is when you are taxed the most. And so uh, we are in a situation where we feel that taxes are going to be a lot higher in the future than they currently are now because of debts and deficits and things of that nature. And um, right now, by the way, we are in the lowest tax rate environment that we've seen in probably our lifetimes. And that does provide some opportunity to uh, do some tax planning now um, that will allow you to save money by potentially moving money from that tax deferred bucket into the tax free bucket. Yes, you still have to pay a tax, but if taxes are on sale and the lowest they've been in your lifetime, then it might make sense to take advantage of the lower tax rate position your money in that tax-free account, and then you don't have to worry if Uncle Sam raises taxes uh, 20, 30, 40% down the line because you've already paid the tax at the lower rate. And so where do you go and who should you talk to if you need to have a plan to reduce your taxes in retirement? Do you talk to your financial uh, advisor? Do you talk to... Uh, Maybe your accountant. Um, it's like this. You don't talk to your financial advisor uh, because uh, most of them, the majority of them, 
uh, don't even deal with taxes. If you start talking about taxes, they're going to shoo you off to uh, someone else and tell you to go talk to either your guy or they'll claim to have some sort of relationship with uh, a tax person and they really don't talk. But um, that's probably not uh, the route you want to go. Um, and then of course, uh, you have your accountant and you're probably asking me, Hey, Mark is my CPA. You know, they, they, they do my taxes and you're right. That's exactly what they do. They do your taxes and they probably, uh, either have done them and finished them. Um, or they filed an extension for you, but the bottom line is they are doing your taxes for 2021. That's already happened. Your accountant is accounting for something that's already happened. And so there's no way that you can save taxes after it's already happened. So 2021's already happened. There's no tax savings that you're getting right now. All your accountant is doing, and what most of them do, is they are historians and they account for the past. They just let you know, hey, you owe this, or hey, this is the check you have to write to the government. Uh, do you want to uh, put it on your card, have them direct debit it, or do you want to write a check, Right. But you have to have a tax planner. That's one of the things that we do here and here here in the office where we focus on being forward looking, looking through the windshield versus the rear view mirror. Right. And so if you plan for taxes, that is how you can save money on taxes. So Monday, you write your check. Tax day is over. It's done. That is when you should start the tax planning, the tax plan for 2022 should begin now, has to begin now, finding ways that you can protect income, shield income. Of course, all of these are green lights, right? Green lights, meaning that uh, these are things that are in the, in the tax code that permit you to do these things that can help you save money now, but it has to happen within the year. You can't save money for you can't save money on your 2022 taxes in 2023. You have to have a tax planner. And that's one of the things that we do here in the office. That's what sets us apart from uh, most of the, the guys out there uh, who are um, who you've probably dealt with in the past. Uh, and speaking of that, we are going to uh, get into our tax corner segment um, coming up here uh, right after the break. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. So we have um, Dolly Parton. It is. Old school. This was, came out in 1977. Okay. Was number three in the U.S. Mm-hmm. On a uh, top 75 hit in oh, the no. U.K. Okay. You know, I don't know if they, they're on to the uh, country music back in 77. They weren't over there. Still in on top 100. It's like the hot Billboard Hot 100 chart. So go. it was yeah. hot. UK. Doesn't matter. Number three in the US. There we go. And by the way, I like Dolly Parton. She's a, um, don't know her personally, but she's a, she's some good peeps. She's a she generally, does a lot of yeah, good things. Yeah. She's a generally likable person. Yes, she is. You've been to Dollywood? No. You have not? Not yet. Oh, they, they might just ride up the street, you know. Not really right up the Nashville? street. Yeah, yeah. No. No? And like the uh, Gatlinburg oh, okay. and all okay. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan, which is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. And we're talking about tax rate risk, inflation risk. Woo, inflation risk. That's huge now. But if you order that retirement rescue game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, some financial reports, and you will receive access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you can go there simply by going to warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. Like we said, it is, or tomorrow is tax day. So let's uh, have D jump into some uh, tax corner. Cause I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Or woman. All right. Let's talk about Irma. Uh, Irma, and, uh, I, I, I remember her. Yeah. What, uh, 
What's yeah. up with her? What she's been doing these days? Uh, no, I'm not talking about a person. I'm oh. talking about income-related monthly adjustment amounts. Sound familiar? No. Okay, let me explain. So for high-income Medicare beneficiaries, Part B and Part D premiums could include an additional charge based on your modified adjusted gross income. These are called income-related monthly adjustment amounts, or IRMA. Okay. So these adjustment amounts affect Medicare beneficiaries who earn over $91,000 a year or $182,000 for married couples and who are enrolled in Medicare Part B and or Medicare Part D. If you make a dollar above those amounts, you will have to pay a surcharge on your Part B and Part D premiums each month. Now, the catch here is that IRMA is determined by income from your income tax returns from two years ago. That means for your 2022 Medicare premiums, your 2020 income tax return is used. Um, and this amount is recalculated annually. Seems kind of counterintuitive, but our government just works a little bit slower than most other things. It was calculated annually? It was recalculated annually, yes. Yeah, that yeah. Makes, I mean, that makes sense because yep. they're... They're just having the, they're doing that running tally of every couple of years. And when one year drops off, they just add that extra year on. That's right. Mm. So roughly 7% of Medicare, 63.3 million people pay the uh, income-related monthly adjustment amounts. In addition to the standard premiums for Part B, Part D, the first bump after you breach that income threshold is an, an additional $68 per month that gets added to your Medicare premium each month. What's, I mean, I might be putting you on the spot, but what's the initial Medicare premium? So one seven, around 170. Okay, so. Um, 170 is the initial let me, one. Let me break out my abacus. My, 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 uh, ab, yeah. Abacus, ab, yeah. Abacus real quick. So yeah. uh, what's the premium you said? The additional? No. no the original is one of around 170 a month. All right. That is, yeah, so the 40% increase. Oh, yeah. So there you go. That's so that's, you know, because mm -hmm. people hear 68 bucks and it's like, yeah, that's a lot. But that's yeah, a 40% increase when you breach those thresholds. The next bump is a 100% increase. It doubles your Medicare premium to $340 per month. There you go. And your monthly Medicare premium can be as high as $570 per month. Of course, this is if your income breaches $500,000 for the year or $750 yeah. for medic, uh, married couples. Yeah. And now that's just Part B. Part wow. D premiums also increase in smaller intervals, about 12 extra dollars per month to about 79 extra dollars per month. So this can all add up. And what does it all mean? Well, the current tax planning year for 2022 will affect your 2024 Medicare costs, but we don't even know what those thresholds are going to be in 2024. So Irma, like I said, it's a cliff penalty, $1 over the limit, and you pay the penalty all year, and your tax return from two years ago is used, and we can usually expect um, the, the tiers to increase about 2% year over year. So what do you do? If you're close to that cliff, if you're just about to be over that income threshold amount and going to be penalized in two years. Cry into a pillow. Well, you no? could do that. Okay. Or you could find ways to reduce your income. And 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 think about this. Um, uh, speaking of that, so um, the last segment, um, for those of you who, who missed it, shame on you, um, I talked about um, uh, these tax buckets. Uh, the taxable bucket, the tax deferred, and the tax free. And one of those buckets, the tax free bucket, um, you pull money out, and it doesn't count for uh, a lot of things. One is it doesn't count uh, from a tax standpoint, so you're not taxed on it. Uh, two, it doesn't count as provisional income, which is the uh, calculation that the IRS uses to determine how much of your Social Security is going to be taxed. And when you pull money out of that uh, tax free bucket, via a Roth or some sort of uh, other uh, vehicle, it also doesn't go into the IRMA uh, calculation. And so that is why we talk about tax planning and income shifting, potentially moving money from that tax deferred bucket to the tax free bucket. Because when you are forward looking, and we're not just talking about the next year or, or anything like that, we're trying to be as forward looking as possible. And just like Dee said, the changes that you can potentially make in 2022 will affect Irma in 2024, um, and you know that's a that's a two year two year outlook. 
uh, much less when we're talking about estate planning and things of that nature and income shifting that will affect you and other future generations. And so, um, you know, this kind of brings us full circle in regards to talking about the importance of tax planning and being as proactive as, as possible because those are the things that matter. Um, so there you go. Anything else? I know I just uh, jumped on you. Joe jumped on your uh, that was uh, a segment. nice. That was a nice little ribbon on top. All right. Well, there you go. That's the D. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Or woman. All right. So um, one of the things that I, I wanted to discuss real quick before we uh, end the segment uh, is I wanted to talk about um, a little bit about. Um, um, annuities. <laughs> and so, you know, I know that uh, savers right now, uh, they're not earning much on their money uh, in the bank. Um, interest from CDs uh, is still very low. Even though the Fed has started to raise interest rates, those things generally don't uh, trickle down uh, to the banks where the savers see it for a long, uh, long time. And so even as we start to see rate increases at the federal level, uh, from the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, your bank, uh, whether it's PNC, U.S. Bank, uh, what else we got, Republic Bank, uh, you're not going to see those CD rates increase uh, that quickly. And so uh, where can you uh, still find um, uh, some safety and still have the opportunity to grow your money? And a lot of people, um, not a lot of people, but... Um, uh, annuities uh, sometimes can fit, fit the bill and be what we call a bond uh, replacement. And so um, how does that work? Can't get into the full details. One is because this is not not uh, a show where we talk about specifics, investments and things that fit your needs. It's a, uh, a, a show where we talk about things in generalities. And some of these concepts may or may not uh, work for you. That's why you need to talk to either us or you talk to your own advisor and ask them those questions. But generally, when we talk about annuities, um, um, most people think of the variable annuity types, and that's not what we're talking about here because we are not big fans of variable annuities. Uh, when we talk about uh, potential bond replacements, we're talking about uh, there are fixed annuities, which basically kind of work like a, uh, um, a tax-deferred uh, CD, so to speak, uh, although it's not, but it's a tax-deferred investment, fixed investment, where there's a set interest rate uh, that you'll get for uh, one-year annuity, three-year annuity, five-year annuity, whatever it may be. And then at the end of that term, you know, you get your money back after you've collected the interest over those, uh, over those years. And then there's the indexed, uh, fixed indexed annuity, which uh, a lot of uh, advisors out there are um, peddling. And, you know, those are investments that are tied or linked uh, to an index, thus the, thus the uh, title fixed indexed annuity. Um, and if the and if that particular index goes up, you are afforded some uh, some of the uh, uh, some of the gains, um, and they also fully protect you on the downside. And so, a lot of those things, generally, when you're invested in a fixed annuity, uh, not so much a fixed annuity because it's kind of basically still tied to interest rates. Although, since it's uh, tax deferred, you can get a little better rate than you would a CD. But a um, a fixed indexed annuity. Um, you generally uh, can expect uh, to, one, you shouldn't compare a fixed index annuity to the market because it's not ever going to do, do as good as the market. A fi good fixed index annuity, you know, will get you uh, between uh, three uh, to 6% average over the course of whatever term you have. And so I know a lot of these things are sold like it's going to work lock and step with the market and you're going to have these big returns, but that's not the case. So, but... Um, uh, annuities can be, for some, a good alternative to this low interest rate environment and a bond alternative. So there you go. All right, coming up next, we are going to jump into news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Oh, nice. Barry Manilow. Go ahead, bud. Her name was Lola. <laughs> she was a showgirl. So, um, 
the song. It's a classic. And it is Copacabana at the Copa by uh, Barry Manilow. Came out in 1978. Okay. <laughs> Number eight in the U.S., 22 in the U.K. Okay. Like it. You know, this was a famous New York City nightclub. Really? Yeah. It was named after a district in Rio de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disco back in the 70s. Yeah, before your time. Yes. Anyway, um, good stuff. Uh, good old Barry, Barry Manilow. Of course, this is the Marcus Warren Show. Um, and uh, we everybody should know what it's time for. It is time for some news you can use. Well, since it is tax day tomorrow, let's talk about a new tax proposal. Earlier this month, the White House proposed imposing a minimum tax on billionaires. In his uh, fiscal 2023 budget proposal, U.S. President uh, Joe Biden proposed a minimum 20% income tax on all households worth over $100 million. More than half of the revenue would come from households worth more than $1 billion, and it would include unrealized gains on investments that have not yet been sold. Um, so the uh, it's part of the 2023 mm. budget proposal, $5.79 trillion budget plan. Uh, it also calls for some military record spending, of course, sending more hum- humanitarian aid to Ukraine. Um, and the plan immediately drew some criticism from Repu- Republicans and some moderate Democrats who had killed similar tax proposals uh, in the 2022 budget. So wealthy households who already pay 20% on their full income will not have to pay the additional tax because it's just a minimum. Well, minimum we, we, we already know this, yes. that it's, it's, yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, too many lobbyists. Um, the unrealized gains portion of it is... Um, tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little shady uh, in regards to... Um, uh, and, and really, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not advocating for, you know, the, these billionaires and things of that nature. But at the same time, when you uh, look to tax unrealized gains, that's, you know, that's a fluctuating number there. Right. And um, and you're essentially paying taxes even, on the same assets, the same assets multiple times. If you, mm-hmm. if, if you continue to have it, mm-hmm. um, it's a down year. It drops and then you still have to pay taxes on that in addition to uh, it losing value. Um, sounds good, but I don't think that that's yeah. going to happen. I agree. What else? All right, let's move on to a story we've got to talk about. Oh, In a boy. securities filing earlier this month, Mr. Elon Musk reported owning almost 73.5 million shares of Twitter as of March 14th. This amounts to about a 9% stake in the company. It's valued at $2.9 billion. It gives billion Musk, dollars. That's right. More than more Twitter shares than even the company's co-founder and former CEO, Jack Dorsey, as well as more than large investors like Vanguard Group. On the day after disclosing the large holding, he, he was asked to join the board of the company. He then spent the weekend tweeting criticisms, uh, suggestions, and some jokes about the company in typical Elon Musk fashion, of course, then decided... He wasn't going to be joining the board. And just when you thought the drama was over, uh, this Wednesday, he offered to buy the rest of Twitter Inc. in a deal valuing the company at more than $43 billion. And, you know, the thing about that, though, is, is uh, you know, he's he's turned into just uh, um, almost a, a caricature, a, a par- yeah, a caricature, yeah. a parody, parody. Of, yeah. of, of himself where... You know, now, you know, brilliant guy, mm-hmm. you know, knows this stuff as yeah. far as getting getting stuff to space and uh, making electric cars. But now he just seems like Even he's just a companies. troll. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now he just seems like he's just, uh, like, wants to stay in the news, throw stuff out there. Um, you know, technically, when you think of, I mean, he probably could come up with the money. Yeah. But he doesn't really have the money. You know, his, his net worth sell. is different yeah, than... he'd have to sell. Yeah, um, to, stuff. To liquidate. So, you know, so it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't he, know. I, I don't even believe... I don't even believe it. I he mean, threw, he uh, threw it in as a cash offer. And, you know, I agree. Because he, he he's kind of... He's trying to tout free speech. And, well, and, and I don't know why. 
Well, why, why is he trying to do that? Because he, this is a business. It's not thinks a that Yeah, he thinks that Twitter um, should be an open community, uh, open dialogue. Um, there, you know, people should be able to voice their opinions without maybe getting taken off or. or their I feel like I should be able to go down. into a crowded movie theater and yell fire. Right. You know, but I yeah. can't. Yeah. I can be arrested it for that, but I can I, I, I can go and say, hey, but don't I have my freedom of speech? No, you, the government cannot uh, minimize your freedom of speech, but individual companies can do that all day. Yes. Every day. Including like, I don't understand what people Mr. Understand Musk, that. who th- reportedly, uh, <laughs> reportedly, um, uh, let go of some Tesla employees who were posting videos criticizing some of the features of the car. That's, a, that's a, alleged, of course, but, um, yeah. you know, he he kind of issues the same. He, he issues memos telling people, hey, this is how we have to, you know, this when I when I issue a memo, this is how things have to be done in my company because it's right. Tesla. So. Right. And, 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 and it's a company. It's a company. It's not the government. The, the, the First Amendment is Congress shall yes. make no law prohibiting Free speech, yes, or whatever it says. But yes. it says something like that. right. Yeah. Con- you know what I mean? Paraphrasing. And so, You're paraphrasing. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the deal. But hey, I tell you what, though, he'll 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 him and his fanboys. Though, you know, so I'm sure his fam, I'm sure his fan, I'm, eh, I'm sure his fanboys uh, throw in a couple of bucks to help him out here. Not not that he needs it, but I don't know if he'll need it. I bet they're right. all over it. But I, I, like I said, I think it's all performative. I don't think, uh, um, you know, it'll, it'll come to fruition. He'll do it unless he's talking about a hostile takeover, but then there's issues with that. But we'll see. Anyway. All right. What else? Uber and Lyft customers <laughs> are paying a bit more for rides this week as both companies have announced they're adding temporary surcharges to deal with what you talked about earlier, the rise in gas prices nationwide. Um, in a company post, Lyft said their uh, start that the company will add a 55 cent fuel surcharge to each ride. Um, Lyft's move follows a similar one by Uber, which announced that they would be adding uh, surcharge on Uber trips and Uber Eats, um, um, about 45 to 55 cents per yeah. trip. Yeah, there's um, there's also um, Amazon. Amazon yes. is, is adding a 5% surcharge um, on shipping to, for, for their sellers. Mm-hmm, but, but they'll, sellers. They'll, I mean, it doesn't matter. There's, it always passes through yes. to the consumer. Yeah. Um, and so... You know that that's uh, um, and they're calling they're calling that an inflation fee. Mm -hmm. Um, And I uh, I was charged a surcharge. I had um, my uh, my kitchen and dining dining room painted, and when I got the uh, the estimate from uh, uh, the painters, uh, there was a fuel surcharge put on there too. So it's everywhere. All sorts of businesses. It is everywhere. Can't get away from it. Right. Anyone else throwing surcharges on there? I'm sure everyone is. Um, actually, I know a restaurant that uh, has started passing the um, what you call it fees. What are, what, what are they called? The um, merchant, uh, merchant the merchant fees. just mm-hmm. fees, credit card the credit fees. card fee, mm-hmm. swipe fees yeah. to passing that on to to the consumer. Which I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'm a big fan of because uh, you know, but that could start the trend. And you see that my barber already, but he's done that from the get go. Yeah, but. Yeah. Who knows? That's Everybody, uh, you got to increase prices when costs are, are getting higher. That's the way it is, you know. But uh, thank you, D, for that uh, news you can use. And you know, if we left everybody with that, they would be satiated and they would feel full. But they always yearn for more. And what do they want more of? They want more of the good stuff. And that's the news you can't use. <laughs> Well, this is a fun Guinness World Record. I had a feeling we were getting back to this. <laughs> Guinness World Records announced the world's tallest family is a Minnesota clan of five with an average height of six foot eight inches. Holy moly. They are tall. The record keeping. A family of five? Yes, family oh, of five. Who are they? Where? Minnesota. Oh, the Timberwolves. Are you talking about the Timberwolves? No, the I'm Minnesota, not. the NBA team? That's I'm what not. you're doing. No, oh, no. I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the Trap family. Uh, uh, you've got parent, uh, uh, Dad Scott, who's six foot eight, mom Chrissy, six three, 
Daughter Savannah, 6'8". Somebody has to be seven foot. Daughter Molly, 6'6". Six, six, and Adam, 7'3". Okay, that because the average, I was like, if the average 6'8", six, eight, six, eight, that's 6'3". Mom's be. messing it up at 6'3". She three. is, I know. So she yeah, needs we to, needed that 7'2". She two. needs to grow no, a little bit. No, we had the 7'2". Just yep. jack the average three, up. There you go. Yes, and of that's, course, uh, all three trap children, active in sports, recruited for, <laughs> to play basketball and, and volleyball in college. And all of them uncoordinated. Can't Ooh. play a lick of basketball, hey, I bet. Hold on, wait a minute. I bet. Can I see a picture of them? Do you have a picture of them? No, you don't? No? Yes, yes. You do? Yep. Can I see a picture of them real quick? Go. Yep, yep, nope. They they uh, do not look... Uh, just because you're tall doesn't mean you're coordinated. That's true. And That's uh, I'm true. sorry, the, but, the, but the the Von Trapps? Yes. Or were they just the traps? Just trap, yes. Just, just the... Uh, are there a Von Trapp family? Um, no? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You're I don't just, know either. You don't have to humor me if I'm just making something if, up. If you're, uh, you know, with the tall... You might be uncoordinated, but at least you're closer to the basketball rim. You can just Do you just know how many tall, put, put, uncoordinated... Basketball People players have, 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 They've tried to put on the court, and they have bad feet, yeah. tripping over themselves. Oh. And uh, the coach says, you know what, son? I think accounting may be in your oh, future. no. Well, That's can't you learn is. coordination? You no. Know, you can't learn height. You, you can't How are you? you I mean, no, I'm not going to have you say your age, but I'm sure you haven't mastered the art of coordination, so you cannot be taught. Anyway, what else do you got? Well, an Illinois woman said more than 15 pairs of really, really really tacky shoes have been mistakenly delivered to her home over the course of a year. Um, She says the shoes started being delivered to her home by UPS about a year ago. Between 15 and 20 pairs have arrived. She says they're really funny, really tacky. She returned one box of shoes to the UPS store, explained the situation. um, And then four days later, um, they came right back to her. The same shoes? The same shoes that she returned. What I'm saying is the same shoes 15 to 20 times. No, just no, no, different no. shoes. Different okay. shoes, yes. Oh, it must have her name on it, right? Because if not, she's opening other people's mail. Because must have if you know it's not it. yours. That's right. And then you continue to open it up. She said, the the yes, the vendor's return label bears her name okay. and an address on Elm Street in All Chicago right. where somebody's she lives. Playing, somebody's trying to play the ultimate prank on, on this lady, you know. UPS and, uh, said it's it might be a clerical error. But um, she's still been receiving the shoes. I mean, my thing is, there's somebody over there like, dang, I've ordered 20 pairs of shoes and I haven't gotten one a pair. Single one but of them. But the crazy thing is, they continue to order and are not getting and continue to not receive not, them. Not receive it. So, right. Uh, that's what. Uh, makes it so sense. there's two crazy people in Illinois. Yes, two. At uh-huh, least. At least. That's right. Thank you, D, <laughs> for that news. You can't use. And we all know what that music means. It means that we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.